Welcome to Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedoms with George Christensen. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore conservative one well g'day i'm george christensen australian member of parliament and host here at conservative one the podcast defending traditions and freedom and i tell you what we've got two freedom fighters that have joined me for this special edition of conservative one because we're focusing on hong kong hong kong that bastion of freedom in China that has come under attack from the Chinese Communist Party. They are pushing through basically martial law. They're pushing through national security laws that will seek to undermine the freedom of the free people of Hong Kong. The free people of Hong Kong who were promised in 1997 as Britain handed over Hong Kong to China, they were promised that they would get freedom from oppression, from the oppression of the Chinese Communist Party for 50 years. And here we are, nowhere near the 50-year mark, and it's been broken. We've got laws that the Chinese Communist Party are imposing in Beijing on Hong Kong. Hong Kong, which was declared to be a separate autonomous region, not subservient to what the laws are in Beijing. It would control its own future, have its own laws. But this national security regime that they're going to bring in is going to make a criminal act for anyone who talks about breaking away from China. Uh, They're going to call that secession, subversion, which will be undermining the power authority of the central government, that is the Chinese Communist Party. So if you're protesting against them, you could be in trouble. Talking about terrorism, but what Beijing describes as terrorism is something like 4 million people uh, might have been more than that, that were out on the streets protesting last year against these sort of laws being introduced by the Hong Kong legislature. They're talking about communist China setting up its own security regime within Hong Kong. There's a lot of worry here. And so I've got two young freedom fighters who join me here. I've got from Hong Kong itself, Sunny, who's a student activist involved in uh, a lot of the protest movement that has um, been working away for quite a while now. And I've also got joining me from uh, here within Australia, another student by the name of Joseph, uh, who's part of the Australia Hong Kong Link, which is an organisation supporting, I guess, freedom from uh, Chinese uh, communism and the the tyranny there uh, for Hong Kong residents uh, and it's got support from people here in Australia. So thank you both very much, Sonny and Joseph, for joining me. How are you both? Sonny? Yeah, sure. You're welcome. I'm I'm Sonny. I'm a student activist from Hong Kong. It's my honour and pleasure to have the dialogue with you. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And Joseph? I'm Joseph, who's studying in Perth as an international student, and I am a member of Australia Hong Kong Link, who uh, support the democratic movement in Hong Kong. Great. And before I get going, uh, can you tell me if people want to get involved in supporting 
uh, Hong Kong through this organization? How do they go about that, Joseph? Uh, yeah, because uh, we organize some protests or rallies in Australia across different cities. So uh, we will announce our events on our Facebook page. If you are interested in, have a Facebook so just page. join us. Great. Yeah, so we have a Facebook page. page. Just type in Australia Hong Kong link and people can find that. Yeah. Great. So I've gone through what these national security laws are, but can you tell me, in your view, and I'll ask you first, Sonny, because you're on the ground over there, what's the view in Hong Kong of what the Chinese Communist Party have done here with these national security laws? They're essentially laws that are eroding freedom and democracy in Hong Kong. Yes. Um, in Hong Kong, we have a very big debate regarding the very controversial national security law. And then because we believe that um, the purpose of um, introducing the law is trying to undermine the autonomy of Hong Kong and trying to restrict the freedom of the individuals in Hong Kong. For example, yeah, tomorrow, it will be the June 4th massacre, 31 years anniversary. And then in Hong yeah. Kong, we can no longer um, like commemorate the June 4th massacre and the victims of that um, under the new law. Because if you dare to commemorate, if you dare to criticize the June 4th massacre um, against the Communist Party, they can actually say that you are trying to overthrow the government, you are trying to uh, create troubles. And that's why when we yeah. think Sedition. that yeah, the law is really problematic regarding in terms of um, the definition of the law and regarding how thick the definition it could be. And that really creates a lot of problems and that can put people yeah. in danger. Now, June 4 massacre, for those that don't know, just explain it. Um, 31 years before, because um, in Beijing, there were a large group of student activists who were patriotic, who wanted um, the China to be more democratic and be more liberal. And those students were innocent. And then they were like um, severely oppressed by the regime. And then many of them were killed and injured. And right. that massacre uh, actually creates a horror uh, image. And that really scared a lot of Hong Kongers before the handover. Until now, even a lot of uh, uh, the many generations of Hong Kongers still remember the history as we will keep uh, commemorating the massacre. And we hope that the truth of the massacre will not be covered by this uh, regime, which is the Communist Party. Yeah, yeah. Now, Joseph, I guess that you left Hong Kong. I'm not sure when you left there to come here and study in Australia, but you and a whole heap of other international students would have left your country, which you're thinking, you know, it's it's free and it's 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 safe from this sort of tyranny that you see on mainland China. But when you go home, it's going to be going back to a completely different place. How do you feel about the erosion of democracy and freedom that uh, that's happened here by the Chinese Communist Party introducing these national security laws? Um, I think. Uh it is kind of serious invasion to the Hong Kong legislation system and the basic law. Because uh, taking the national security law as an example, uh, such law in mainland China provide rights to law enforcers, 
to take action against almost any activities that the CCP believes and defines it can be a threat to national security. So when I back to Hong Kong, I may the free speech or freedom of protest maybe no longer exists. So it is quite frustrated, but mm. I believe that that uh, I believe that the people of Hong Kong will fight against the communist China yeah. uh, for their own rights and for their freedom, and we will never surrender. Yeah, great. Well, they're the words that uh, are at the start of my podcast here. Um, Winston Churchill, never surrender, never, never, never. Now, what I want to know is I I heard uh, another resident of Hong Kong saying today on on a show that I listened to that even though the Chinese Communist Party have introduced these national security laws, they're going to find it very difficult for them to be enforced. Not only, not only will there be civil disobedience through widespread protests, as there always has been uh, in recent times against these sort of things, but they said that Hong Kong has an independent judiciary and the judiciary is not captured yet uh, by the governing forces, the, you know, the puppet government. And there was a belief that perhaps even if people get arrested under these laws, mm. that the judiciary may act in favour of the protesters, of the freedom fighters. Do you think that's likely or do you think that people who speak out and protest in the future are going to be jailed and, and or dealt with? Um, in my opinion, my remark is that um, do not trust Hong Kong still has an uh, independent judicial system because even though, as you have mentioned, um, if the law uh, can be uh, implemented under the common law system, just like Australia, Canada, and UK, mm. and, uh, but the problem is that when the law is drafted by the Communist Party and National People's Congress by, uh, itself, and the law can be, I mean, I mean the definition of um, betraying your own country the definition of bringing in foreign interference can be really fake. And that's why even the court cannot really determine what is, uh, what, 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 what is a crime under the law. And don't forget that actually in Hong Kong, we have our mini-scale constitution. We have our own constitution, which is the basic law. And in the basic law, Article 158, mm. it clearly mentioned that the National People's Congress the Communist Party can have the final say of the law. They can interpret the law by its own way. And even mm. our court cannot oppose it. And that's why we do not believe in independent, uh, a, a judicial independence. Because the National People's Congress can always interpret the law um, as they wish. And they can use the law to repress all the activists and activism in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like in China, I mean, in China, when you uh, read the constitution written by Chinese, of course, you can find out a lot of articles that mention uh, human rights to be protected, and mm-hmm. then uh, Chinese people have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, those, those kind of rights are written in the Chinese constitution. But the problem is that the Chinese government never respects the law. I mean, yeah. even the, the law 
because in Western country, we know that the law is really important and critical for the society. And even the government, um, their behavior uh, should be restricted by the constitution. But in China, that is a very different story. I mean, they never respect the constitution. The constitution serves as a tool for the government to govern, but not restricting and limiting the behavior of the government. The Communist yeah. Party can always change the law and ignore the law. And if that is the case, when they have their own version of national security law uh, to be implemented in Hong Kong, and that will be really um, devastating because they can really try to randomly uh, give a spawn to national security and they can um, arbitrarily uh, arrest and detain uh, not just Hong Kongers, but also foreign investors, including Australians. And that is the problem. And that's why we hope that the international community can have a very strong stance on this. Yeah. Well, we're hoping that uh, that strong stance that I think has happened, at least uh, in words, will continue. I'll get on to that. But you obviously, you've highlighted something there, which people have to understand is such a huge difference between the West's and China, communist China, and that is that um, in the West, our constitution, our whole framework is set up so that the individual and individual freedoms are sacrosanct and government is there to serve us, the people. I think people in the West, in countries like Australia, take that for granted. They really do take it for granted. You know, I'm, I've fallen, I'm not just blaming people who are listening to me, I've taken it for granted. Um, and uh, we're not as vigilant as we should be because there are countries like the one that, that, that you're in now, sadly, Sonny, and that Joseph comes from, that uh, uh, that have an overlord, uh, I won't even say a government, an overlord who has a very different view of how things work. It's not uh, that um, the government is there for the people. The people are there to serve the state, and the state is the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, that's how it all works. And uh, that's why those sort of measures you talk about are being brought in. The Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen. But uh, I'm wanting to know how it actually is right now on the ground. You've got this COVID-19 pandemic, you've got a lockdown uh, all of that sort of stuff going on as is affecting most of the rest of the world. Uh, China have seemed to have done this sort of like a thief in the night, bringing in these laws while everyone's on lockdown. It's probably meant that there's a dampener on protests, but I understand that there have been protests. Still, I've seen some horrific photos uh, of a couple of teenage girls that have been pinned down on the ground by you know, three or four jackboots, uh, others that are being led away to uh, uh, what looks like cages or jails, um, stormtroopers busting in through some building there like it was something out of a, a, a science fiction movie. So this is the stuff that I saw in photos uh, over the internet. What is actually happening on the ground right now in Hong Kong? Um Actually, uh, you, uh, you are correct about, I mean, Hong Kong nowadays, um, the city is locked down and uh, um, the government is quite busy with um, pandemic, uh, handling the pandemic. And just like other governments, because we, uh, we, uh, we observe that, I mean, the Western countries are quite um, busy and over with um, handling 
the pandemic issue. And I do yeah. think that the Chinese Communist Party is trying to take advantage of this timing because many countries are so busy um, uh, on handling this kind of um, pandemic issue and then they, uh, they, they don't have enough time to uh, look after Hong Kong and try to avoid the, eva- the uh, evasive erosion of Hong Kong autonomy by the Chinese government. And apparently, Chinese government takes um, the advantage and use this timing uh, to introduce the national yeah. security law. And that's why we, um, in Hong Kong, of course, we have um, different sorts of uh, protests and demonstrations. But the problem is that um, we still have uh, a ban from the government that they think that um, according to the government's narrative is that Hong Kong is still facing pandemic and that's why um, we, we, we should have banned on different sort of um, demonstration and rallies. And they uh, recently they just banned um, yes. the June 4th uh, the, 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 to ban us to commemorate the June 4th massacre uh, tomorrow. Mm. And it will be um, the first time in 30 years that Hong Kongers can uh, no longer com- uh, commemorate the June 4th yeah. massacre. It's so, very miserable. So have there, have there been, Sonny, any sort of um, uh, spontaneous protests in, you know, even against the pandemic lockdown stuff? Have there been, been any protests that have just happened uh, yeah. because of the anger at Beijing over the implementation of this uh, national security law on Hong Kong? Yeah, actually, last weekend, we just had uh, like uh, more than 10,000 of people coming out on the street. 10,000. Yeah, to protest against the law. But that's, a, the that's a small that, protest for Hong Kong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, relatively speaking, actually, 10,000 10, of people, I mean, it's already quite uh, quite a small scale for Hong Kong because yeah. previously, last year, we have millions of people you, coming you out. Had, you had you had almost one in three, I think it was, people in Hong Kong yeah. out on the streets last year. Yeah. And this is this is what China, communist China is, is is against. They're saying, "Oh, these people are uh, are protesters. They're rioters. They're uh, they're they're you know they're bad people." It's one in three people. If we had one in three people in the streets here in Australia, um, you know. That, that's not a riot. That's not even a protest. That is, uh, if they're campaigning against the government or government actions, that's a sign yeah. that the government's doing something wrong, not the people. Yeah, right. Not the people. And it's the same in Hong Kong. So you had 10,000 people out in the streets last week. I saw the jackboots come in, all of the police and the heavy-handed activities. And what, what, what went down? What well, happened? Yeah, and then the problem is that, because as I've mentioned, the government still enforce and impose a lot of uh, banning on those demonstrations. And that's why, actually, uh, last weekend, that uh, small-scale um, demonstration was illegal. And then uh, many people, more than like 300 people, were arrested. Um, the, the government uh, prosecuted them for joining unlawful assembly. And this is a crime that is often, that is often used by the Department of Justice and the government to repress um, the local activism. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and I thought actually among those um, 300 um, arrested people, a lot of secondary school students, a lot of kids who are under 18 uh, are also arrested by the government mm-hmm. and by the police. And that is really miserable and that really creates a lot of 
anger uh, among the citizens. And, and Joseph, uh, you probably have been watching all of that from afar and wishing you were there with your uh, with your friends and your your fellow fellow Hong Kong residents. Must be difficult, given that you're pretty much at this point in time stuck in Australia while all of that's going on. You and a lot of other uh, Hong Kong students, how are you feeling watching all of this take place from afar? Uh, that definitely not feel good, even bad, uh, because uh, as Sandy mentioned it, uh, last week uh, many people got arrested in Hong Kong, and one of my friend from uh, my one of my friend got arrested at Wales uh, as well, and mm, but the but the police didn't charge him anyway at yeah. at the end. Um, just like the police want to create an atmosphere of fears, uh, to make people don't going out for the protests anymore. Because once you go to protest, I will arrest you no matter yeah. what the reason is, and regardless whether I could charge you in his jail or uh, uh, if I can even arrest you without any legal ground. So yeah. feeling very bad. Now, have both of you, both of you guys have participated in protests there before in Hong Kong? Yeah. I went to Hong Kong last year and I joined yeah. the several protest yeah. and uh, I feel, I feel, I feel like that the police, the police is trying to, use different methods to attack the protesters or yeah. the, the, the people uh, like they will suddenly or without warning and they will shoot the pepper spray on yeah, the pepper spray yeah, yeah. And with, without any warning and they shoot tear gas on mm. us and yeah people can can already suffer suddenly yeah. and without any warning by the pol- from the police. And Sonny, you, you don't, you, you haven't just been in protests. You've organised them, haven't you? Yeah, yes. Um, actually, I organised like a, a good on you. A, 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 a servo um, large scale demonstration. Yeah. One of the demo, one of the rallies. Um, more than like one hundred thousand people participate in it. Right. Yeah, and that I've... that rally aims to um call for the international support um, from all yeah. countries around the world. And yeah, and because again, Hong Kong last year, we, we really emphasized on like um, um, calling the help from the international community because we do think that this is not just a fight between Hong Kongers, but this is also a fight, I mean, for all the freedom loving um, mm. um, people across the globe. Now, and, have, have either of you been? arrested or assaulted by police or anything like that in your uh, protest activities uh, yes um but i i'm not i'm not arrested by the police but um i also um suffer from the purpose play and here again right. that um, yep. frequently used it by the police force yeah yeah and joseph you yeah, me too i have never been arrested but just suffer from the purpose prayer or the tear gas yeah i'm glad that you mentioned that about the police sort of actions because i wanted to ask about that you know what i saw what happened last week looked pretty brutal the stuff that everyone saw that happened last year looked really brutal i even had someone uh one of the student associations here in australia a hong kong student told me that a friend of his had actually been thrown out 
of an apartment. They said that it was jumped, but it just so happened the apartment that he in that he was in was was a police barracks. So it, there is a view that there are real bad eggs within the Hong Kong police force. I'd like to think that it's not all of them, but my fear is in seeing how they're going about doing this that uh, there is um, a very big ethical problem that exists institutionally within the Hong Kong police force. You would think that being Hong Kongers themselves that uh, they would stand up to uh, attacks on their country even when it's coming from mainland China and the puppet government that you've got there in Hong Kong under Carrie Lam, uh, but they don't. They don't. They just act like the jackboots of the Chinese Communist Party. Can you talk me through about the mentality behind the police? What? Why would a Hong Kong resident, proud Hong Kong resident that knows his country's history, knows the freedoms that his country has, join the police force and and then enforce basically martial law and and crack down on freedom fighters. Well, that 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 is a really um, tough question, I would say, because it's it's really difficult to explain in a few words. But I will try to answer the question in, um, yep. in this way. Do which, your best. Um, I think I think the police force in Hong Kong is a very large scale state machine and it is a department that is led by a, an authoritarian regime and in that case you can imagine um, i mean hong kong police just like um the nazi germany uh, the soldiers of the nazi germany they they blindly follow the instruction and order um from the authority and they don't care about what um criticism has uh, have been made against them uh, in the society. They just care the so-called law and order. I mean, but 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 obviously the law and order in Hong Kong is severely eroded and uh, and uh, undermined. And many of our laws are actually quite uh, ancient. And the court and the Department of Justice, ironically, uh, use some colonial laws very ancient laws to prosecute protesters. And the Hong Kong police will just follow the order and use those colonial laws to repress the activism in Hong Kong. For example, for example, we had uh, we have uh, an article calling um, the civil, um, civil, civil, civil charter, something like that. And then according to that, um, there, um, the definition of that is um, really problematic. And even the United Nations Human Rights Committee also criticized that the Hong Kong government frequently used colonial laws like rioting to prosecute Hong Kong people. And I know that in many countries, of course, you have some, some laws like rioting, but the problem is that the, the definition of rioting in Hong Kong is really fake. And by, by only like um, standing by, witnessing the, po- uh, the, the protest, and then the po- police can already say that Oh, you, 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 you can't stand here to observe the situation. If you stand here, you are already an active participant of a riot. And that's why I can mm. charge you with rioting. And that's why many innocent people who really just like um, walk by 
and just try to understand what happened. But they didn't throw anything. They didn't throw petrol bombs. They didn't set the roadblock. They still being charged with rioting, and that's why the Hong Kong police is really keen on using this kind of charges to silence activism, to threaten all the people. And Hong Kong police, they are brainwashed by the authority. And I, I am not sure about how the police system in other countries work, but in Hong Kong, if you apply for um for a job in the police force, actually many people they they didn't they they don't even have a, a bachelor degree in university. They just finished their um, secondary school, and then they are not really that well educated, and then they did poorly in a, in the public exam, but end up they join the police force because the salary in police force is really well. I mean, you can compare the salary um, in Hong Kong of a police um, officer to a like uh, maybe a civil servant, that, mm. uh, and that's uh, that is really ironic. I mean, uh, uh, to be a civil servant, you have to finish a university degree, you have to study hard, and then you have a good salary to be a civil servant. But the point is that uh, you 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 can still have obtained the salary, a uh, same amount of salary, but you don't have to finish a university degree to be a police officer. Mm. And that that's why in Hong Kong, uh, some people may say that. Um, the, the reason why um, the police force, the behavior of that is really corrupted is because um, they, they are not really well-educated, I mean, um, mm. intrinsically. And then the, the authoritarian regime always like to summon and recruit people like them, um, which is not really well-educated because they don't have critical thinking. They just follow the orders. They won't betray and disobey the orders. Um, yeah, I think this is a very common phenomenon and saying regarding the Hong Kong police force. There is a religious war going on in this country. It is a cultural war. Conservative wine. So I'm guessing from what you've just said there that you can't foresee a situation in which the Hong Kong police force might actually take a stand for the people over the Chinese Communist Party or its puppet regime uh, with Carrie Lam, yeah, they they don't um they literally they, they don't care. I mean, they don't really care what is justice, what is right or wrong. I mean, they just need to follow the order, and they can have the salary, very high salary, monthly, and they did their part. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, that's very sad because obviously it's going to mean then that there's going to be uh, uh, there will be more protests because as you guys said, and I know the fighting spirit, you see it in the people there. You're not going to surrender. You're not going to give up. There's going to be more protests. It'll continue, and that'll mean there'll be more arrests. There'll probably be shootings. There'll probably be the you know the rubber bullets at least, the pepper spray, uh, uh, the tear gas, and on and on it goes. Um, and you'll be uh, you'll be in court. This is so serious. Like I'm, I'm for all of those people listening. I'm talking to two young blokes here who are willing to give it up altogether. You go back home, Joseph, you protest. You're indeed, Sonny, you know, after this lockdown's finished, you do a major protest. You both could be arrested. You both even, as I understand it, could potentially be extradited to mainland China and find yourself in one of the jails there for 20 years. Are you willing to do that for freedom? 
it's a tough question because as we know, uh, some of the pro-democracy activists like uh, me and Sunny and I have been lobbying foreign governments to help us. Uh, such mm -hmm. campaigning could be a crime in the future because the national security law. But, but uh, will you just roll, think, will you roll over is what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to go to jail. I'm saying, will you risk it? Will you risk it? Will you just say no? I think freedom, we, freedom. I, I is, think we will go it. for it. Yeah. Because Hong Kong is our home and we will do whatever we can to gain our freedom and what we deserve, the human rights, the freedom and democratic society. Not only us, many of protesters in Hong Kong are young and they trusted by the government by riot. It can be sentenced to jail for 10 years at most and they never give up. So I don't think we have any ground to give up. So mm. even I go back to Hong Kong after my after my graduation, I will stand and fight against the Communist Party. Well this is um this is bravery right here. This is bravery right here in the form of Sonny and Joseph that are just representative of so many of the young people in Hong Kong, who even in the face of the jackboots, uh, potentially getting shot at, gassed, um, uh, you know, bashed in the streets by by the jackboots, you know, with the fear of going to jail and going to jail for a very long time, still will be willing to risk it for freedom. And I guess we could all take a lesson from that. In Australia, guys, that's what we call the Anzac spirit. And uh, I don't say that lightly, what you are displaying. So uh, the least that we can do as Australia and the rest of the world is, is stand up to this, stand up to what communist China is doing to Hong Kong. I'm glad to say that there has been a lot of outrage. There has been a, a bit of action. Uh, we've had people like the former British governor, the last British governor of Hong Kong, uh, who you would, would know, Chris Patton, uh, who described it like this. He said, China's assault on Hong Kong's freedom and its outrageous breach of its treaty obligations to this great city are matters of global concern. Uh, now, Chris Patton, along with... Um, with others in the, with the organization Hong Kong Watch, which is a human rights organization that looks out for breaches of freedom that are going on in Hong Kong. They got together, now it's 787 members of parliament or legislators from all across the world, 38 different countries, to come together with a, a common statement. And it's been signed by some pretty big names. You've got people like... Uh, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio over in the US. These were both former presidential candidates. Um, you've got uh, people in the um, in the UK uh, who are uh, quite significant. Uh, you've got former ambassadors. You've got uh, even lowly members of parliament like myself that have signed it. Uh, and I'm glad to have signed that. So the joint statement says this, we the co-sign right to express grave concerns about the unilateral introduction of national security legislation by Beijing and Hong Kong. This is a comprehensive assault on the city's autonomy, rule of law, and fundamental freedoms. The integrity of one country, two systems hangs by a thread. It is the genuine grievances of ordinary Hong Kongers that are driving protests. 
draconian laws will only escalate the situation further, jeopardizing Hong Kong's future as an open Chinese international city. If the international community cannot trust Beijing to keep its word when it comes to Hong Kong, people will be reluctant to take its word on other matters. Sympathetic governments must unite to say that this flagrant breach of the Sino-British Joint Declaration cannot be tolerated. Now, what all of those 787 members of parliament and legislators from right around the world, 38 different countries, are essentially saying there is that when the handover happened, when the United Kingdom handed over Hong Kong to communist China, there was an agreement. There was a legal binding agreement which said that the freedoms that they enjoyed under the crown in Hong Kong would be retained. Now, they haven't been. And right now, they're being extinguished. You've got legislators in your own country, like uh, Dennis Kwok from the Civic Party, who's basically said, this is the end of Hong Kong, the end of Hong Kong. That's how he described it. And I've got even our foreign minister uh, here in Australia, Maurice Payne, along with her counterparts in Canada, the United Kingdom and the United States, signed up to a statement which said uh, Hong Kong has flourished as a bastion of freedom. The international community has a significant and long-standing stake in its prosperity and stability. But she goes on to say that China's decision to impose new national security laws on Hong Kong lies in direct conflict with its international obligations under the principles of the legally binding UN-registered Sino-British Joint Declaration. It says that they're extremely concerned the action will exacerbate the existing deep divisions in Hong Kong and Beijing's unprecedented move risks having the opposite effect to trust in governments and international cooperation. So they've filed some pretty deep grievances there. So I say all of that, guys, to say that, look, there is a lot of support from the world, but... I'm acutely aware that the support is just words at this point in time. What can we do as Australia, as the West, to help restore freedom in Hong Kong? I think the Australian government can legislate for the Australian mandate key sanction bills early. And it's to, key, yes. Yeah, Tell us, and to, explain that, explain that. Uh, Amnesty is an act to allow a country to sanction uh, human rights abusers across the world. So I know uh, Australia are discussing to legislate such laws. This was uh, this Magnitsky Act, it's called, and what it basically is is uh, uh, an an act of parliament, a law that you would have on the books that says if uh, if we know that a foreign official has been involved in uh, a human rights breach or enforcing laws which breach human rights, then there's sanctions that are put on them. They can't enter the country where they're basically named as being a, a, a breacher of human rights. And if they have any assets, finance, money, property in the country, it can actually be confiscated. I think that's a pretty good law. Yeah, and I think and- that's something we should look at. Tony Abbott actually supported that. Former Prime Minister Tony Abbott, I remember, uh, probably preaching a confidence here, but I remember that Tony Abbott got up in one of the Liberal and National Government Party room meetings saying that we should support a Magnitsky Act. And I think it's time has high come and it needs to be backdated 
to right now so that the atrocities that could go down, that have gone down over the last year against Hong Kong residents are captured. So, yeah, Sonny, Joseph, what and do you think then, about that? Yeah, the second thing is uh, we hope Australia to reconsider and re-evaluate its trade relationships with both People Republic of China and Hong Kong government, uh, including the new the newly Australia Hong Kong Free Trade Agreement, because we can see the Hong Kong are no longer under one country two system. Uh, uh can have Hong Kong be, be transport free to, as a trade free trade partner yeah. in the world to Australia. So that's the second thing I think. So I'm running a campaign uh, which, you know, has a parliamentary committee involved in it uh, in, about disentangling Australia from our, our really lopsided economic relationship with China. And I think that that's something you guys would probably support because you see what happens, you know what happens when China wields too much economic influence over another, another country. Uh, they've certainly tried it on us recently. But what you are talking about here is our trade relationships, our economic relationship with Hong Kong itself as a separate entity. And I understand that uh, the US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has said this recently that, well, given that China's basically now taking over Hong Kong by bringing in national security laws for Hong Kong, how can we treat it as a separate autonomous region? Uh, we can't. It's now just one country, part of China. Islamophobia hasn't killed anyone. Uh, Islamist terrorism has now killed tens of thousands of people. Conservative wine. My question to you is, if we start removing the special sort of relationships economically we have with Hong Kong, doesn't that negatively affect Hong Kong people? Why would you say that we should support doing something like that? Uh, um, wait, hello, Sunny. Uh, because yeah, yeah, you can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Next. like um, the U.S. government just announced that uh, they no longer treat Hong Kong as a special administration. Yes. Uh, separate from China. Even that definitely, surely, uh, will have some negative impact to Hong Kong. But we believe that that uh, we believe that uh, after such kind of negative impact, Hong Kong will become better and better because uh, such currently all of our protests is actually uh, don't have a clear or of obvious effect on the government. We need uh, obvious action that would affect the government, uh, like their economic benefit. Then they, until we do, uh, only affecting their benefit, they will respond our demands, our five demands in from Hong Kong. So, this is not a self-destructive action, but we believe, uh, we can be better after such, uh, evaluation. And I think Sunny can talk more about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah Sunny. I would like like um, to supplement a few sentences on that. Um, first of all, this is a tactic that is quite commonly adopted by Hong Kong protesters nowadays. I mean, by hurting ourselves, we can also hurt the Communist Party. And by doing so, this is called a brinksmanship, which is a tactic frequently used um, in a war theory. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, because once you try to hurt yourself, and when Chinese economy is highly relied and dependent on Hong Kong economy, when we hurt Hong Kong economy, that will directly also hurt the interests of the Communist Party. And that can create a lot of pressure to the CCP. And, uh, and for example, of course, we can actually occupy um, the, the central region of Hong Kong, try to stop people um, from going to work. Uh, we can try to boy, uh, have a very large-scale um, labor boycott. And, but the problem is that we can only, uh, we can only try to stop the function and operation of the Hong Kong government. The Beijing government can remain unchallenged. And that's why we hope to ask the international community to refill or even refoke the special status of Hong Kong. Yeah. If that is the case, China can no longer use Hong Kong to have foreign investment. Because till mm. now, even the China came themselves, which is a very um, developed country, and they are rising rapidly. But still, according to econo- the, the, uh, the, uh, the economist sta- uh, statistic, more than like 60% of the foreign investment of China still need to go to China through Hong Kong. And that means if the global society try to like suspend or even revoke the special economic status of Hong Kong, that means foreign investment will no longer go to China through Hong Kong. And that will be a fatal blow to Chinese economy. And secondly, the reason why uh, we are always asking and urging the foreign governments or international society to like um, sanction Hong Kong or Chinese uh, companies is because um, because we, we, we do think that China is not that powerful. It can be quite fragile, especially in terms of its local economy. And that's why if, uh, for example, if the Australian government can also join the camp um, of the U.S. to try to like, um, um, encourage the U.S. government to limit the U.S. currency used by some like, state-owned companies of China, mm. and that can also be a very useful tool to limit uh, the expansion of Chinese power. Because yeah. we know that many state-owned companies and state-owned enterprises of China, they use a lot of U.S. currency because uh, the RMB currency cannot be freely used in the global market. That's why they heavily yeah. rely on the U.S. currency. If the Chinese companies and enterprises can no longer use U.S. currency in the global market, or if they can no longer invest in some major Western countries like Australia, if the governments try to limit it, uh, try to expel it, just like the Huawei, and mm-hmm. that will be very useful because we know that for some companies and enterprises, they are not just trying to earn money, they are not just trying to uh, make, make income for their own interests. They are actually serving the Communist Party. They have their political agenda. I mean, if you ask Apple and Google, they, of course, they are a huge enterprise, but they never, I mean, obey the instruction of the U.S. government, right? But in China, the story is different. Each 
big scale, each big enterprise in China must be uh, must obey and must be a servant of the Communist Party. They serve the interests of the Communist Party. They listen to the instruction of the Communist Party. They have different political agenda, and that's why the state-owned enterprises should be prohibited and should be targeted on uh, by the foreign government. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, so yep, go on. Yeah, and I, I think Hong Kong and its well and its relatively free and lawful system is important to China because even for Hong Kong only contributes three percent of China's GDP, over uh near seventy percent of capital flow goes through Hong Kong and many and many global business trust Hong Kong enough to establish regional headquarters here. Uh, the idea is that if China dare to destroy Hong Kong's way of life, that it's promised to keep in the first place and oppress Hong Kong. We, we Hong Kong people, can make them pay by exposing their practice, destroying their foreign business confidence, confidence in China and cut investment off, which will lead to financial crisis. And we think that it can also add as uh, bargaining trips. And if China don't want that to happen, um, just give us five demands. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And and so is there anything else in the, that you think that the Australia in particular or Western countries should be doing or would it be contained in those few things that you've just mentioned there, Magnitsky Act, um, you've you've also mentioned the economic decoupling, not just from China, but also treating Hong Kong as no longer a separate autonomous region. Anything else, or is that pretty much the bulk of the uh, the effort you think needs to be put into play here? Yeah, um, I, I have another point that um, can be uh, that can be, which is um, I noticed that the five the Five Eyes Alliance, they, uh, they, the the foreign minister of these countries discuss about. Um, the political refugees problem and potential yes. uh, political prosecution in Hong Kong. Yes. And I do believe that, I mean, each freedom-loving fighter in Hong Kong will try to fight to the end and will try their best to fight against the Communist Party. But when the law is coming and opposing and if the situation is getting worse, if another Tiananmen massacre will happen in Hong Kong, and I think, and I think that it is quite necessary for the international community tries to reconsider how to grant a channel, a safe channel for some activists or Hong Kongers to escape from Hong Kong if the Communist Party trying to brutally oppress, aggressively oppress. And that can be a really real issue because I also because we notice that the UK government is trying to like like um extend the stay uh, limit um, of BNO holders and uh, maybe other country uh, or even some congressional mm-hmm. members in the US Congress, they try to drop a new bill to urge the State Department to reconsider how. Well, I think I've just lost you. Are you still there? Jason. Happen. So sorry, Sunny, we just lost you there for a while. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, can you listen? I, I mean, 
I think if the political repression is getting severe in the long run, I think it's quite necessary for the Five Eyes Alliance or other Western countries yeah. to consider how to provide a safe harbor yeah. or channel Indeed. to receive some uh, political activists and Hong Kongs. Yeah. Well, I think that that's uh, definitely something that's worthy of consideration. Um, we need to protect people. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I know that uh, uh, none of you would want to flee your country but, inst but instead fight for your country, but there may come a time where uh, that's just not possible without um, fear of, uh, of safety to, uh, to your life. So, uh, look, I want to say... Thank you very much to both of you for everything you're doing. But can I finish it off with this question for you, Joseph? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Australian-Hong Kong link. What else can the average everyday Australian do to support efforts for freedom in Hong Kong? If it's getting involved in that group, tell us. Or if it's something else, tell us that too. Uh, the first thing, I think, uh, to spread the word to let everyone know about what has happened to Hong Kong because we need the international attention international attention on Hong Kong. We can't fight against the Communist Party by ourselves exclusively. We need the help from the foreign countries. So um and the second thing is that we I, we hope Australian be critically cautious and mindful of CCP influence in Australia because uh, we know there's China. Of, there's a lot of Chi Chinese Communist Party influence that goes around this country. Yeah. Yeah. Not only Australia, but China are trying to expand their influence, influence around the world. And we need to pay attention on it. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you heard before the group uh, Australia Hong Kong link. Uh, look that up. Uh, HongKongWatch.org has some great information about all of the issues there. And uh, I would also recommend another podcast. And recently they did a couple of episodes about what, what is going down, what has gone down in Hong Kong. And that's called uh, War Room Pandemic. So if you want to have a look at that as well. There's also a great website called uh, Committee on the Present Danger China that uh, you can look at and it's got some information about things that they think need to be done to protect freedom in Hong Kong and to fight for freedom in Hong Kong and what we can do in the West to fight for freedom. But for now, I want to thank you both so much, Sonny, Joseph, for spending some time with me and my listeners uh, tonight and um, God bless you in everything you're doing and may freedom prosper for the people of Hong Kong. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. We'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You've been listening to the Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen.